Good morning again. Good. So I go to India every week. Uh, I see my niece and, and my family there, and it's something that I've done since my niece was born. And this last time, I noticed there was a, a lot of new artwork around the Colts Stadium. It's weird. I guess they're talking about changing their name from the Colts to the Possums because they play dead at home and get killed on the road. <laughs> I tell you, I'm a Titans fan, you guys are Bengals fans, it's hard not to make fun of us too, but we're not gonna. Uh, So we are, last week we started a new series uh, called Upside Down, and this is such a cool series. Because everything we are taught from birth by the world, by everything around us, is to live a certain way. to, To be egocentric, to only care about ourselves, to look for our own needs first, to to pretend like we're perfect, all of these things. But in this series, we're talking about how living for God is upside down from that. We're talking about how to love our enemies, how to to be strong in our weaknesses, how to help other people, how to be different than everything around us. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's what what we're called to do, not just as as Christians, but as the church. That's why we're here this morning at 930, 940, 950. I don't have a watch up here with me, so that might be a problem later for you. I'm okay. So... It's just, that's what is so cool about this series, though. And so as I uh, went through what messages I wanted to do, there were several, and so many things were were brought to me. And and so this week, I want to talk about Paul. And so I'm going to start with 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago whether I was in my body or out of my body. I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. So before I get to the thorn, and I had a very cool original title for this week that I've never seen before. I don't know what anybody else thought about it. Every rose has its thorn. Uh, Just something that came to me. Good? Okay. Good, thanks. A couple 80s people here that understand that, but that's fine. Um, Before I get to to the thorn, and before I get to our weaknesses, before I get to our strengths, I want to talk about who Paul is, and just what he shows us, even in this first passage. And you, you notice that in the New Testament reading, it talks about, he's talking in the third person, which goes to who he is, because he wants so much for the glory to be on Jesus, not on himself. And so it talks about 14 years from the time this happened. And it says the third heaven. That doesn't mean that there are three heavens. It's in Jewish faith, they believe, you know, the sky and then the stars and then heaven. So it was just the third heaven. Um, But this amazing thing happened where he saw heaven, where he was home with Jesus, where where he was reunited, even though, you know, they kind of only met after Jesus was already in heaven. But he felt all of that and he saw that and it meant so much to him. And we don't really know when this happens. It could have happened uh, about during the 10 years that he, between when he was in Syria uh, and then when he was actually stoned in, in Lystria or during his time in Antioch. But, but it's not about the point. It's about the fact that he held this for 14 years, not for lack of faith, but because of his faith, because he wanted to build the church, because he wanted to point things to Jesus. And one of the things that happens, especially then, but sometimes even now, when we have something like this, an account, a vision, something that is miraculous, sometimes it becomes about us. 
And it becomes about how we persevered or how we had this happen or how we got to see this. And, and, you know, most of the time it's not even on purpose. But Paul was so aware of that. And he's like, I'm not building the church of Paul here. I'm building the church to Jesus. And I want people to see that. And so for 14 years, he probably struggled with when was the right time to tell it and and how he should tell it and what he should do and and how he should share it and how much he should share. Uh, He probably overthought and, and kept wondering, but he kept teaching. Throughout that entire 14 years, he kept building disciples and kept teaching and kept helping other people and kept starting churches and kept going on mission trips and did all of these things in Christ's name. I'm sure that this is a big video game crowd. Right? Good. Okay. Oh, I may have just broken the microphone. That's okay. I won't worry about that right now. Uh, That's for Amy later. But, you know, in video games, especially in RPGs, and I promise that this will be something that you still understand. Uh, in video games, you're the main character, right? Like, you play it, you have the point of view, you, you, everything you do, whether you talk to other people or interact with other people or uh, the quests you do, all of that is on you. Like, you're the one controlling it. And so... One of the things in some of the games that are RPGs, like really long games where there's a lot of talking and and all of that stuff, story. It's funny to watch because you'll talk to an NPC, which is just a computer character, a non-player. And you talk to them and they like sell you something or or they give you a quest. And then they just kind of wait there until you walk away. And then if you were able to walk back in, like they'd still be standing there waiting for you to come back. Sometimes we live our lives like that's how everybody else is. Like we get so caught up in being the main character because we have our point of view that we forget that everyone else also sees themselves as the main character. However, none of us is right. And Paul is showing that. He's like, God's the main character, guys. We have the blessing of helping other people see that, of showing other people what that means. And that's why Paul waited. And that's what he's saying here. And that shows exactly who he is because he could have come about this very, very differently. And he talks about boasting and talks about what he could have done. If anybody, after Jesus, could have boasted, it's Paul. Like, look how much he did to build the church. He he wrote half the New Testament. And yet, he put the focus entirely on Christ. So let's go to verse uh, 5. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. So he mentions the thorn in his flesh, but before that again, he talks about I could have boasted. Because he sees who he could have been before Jesus. He sees who he was before that moment when he was blinded. And in becoming blind, he truly saw. And he realized, he had this realization, not just that he was living the wrong life, not just that Jesus had a plan for him, but that it wasn't the seeing that mattered. It was the feeling God and showing him and living in him. And so all of the accomplishments he had, and he had a ton even before he wrote the the New Testament. Like, he had a ton of things. He did a ton of things. Aside from Jesus, he probably, you could argue that he did the most to spread Christianity out of everybody in the Bible. He's an amazing man. 
And yet instead of boasting about all that, instead of talking all about, about all of that, he boasts about his weaknesses. Now you talk about upside down, like to talk about his weaknesses, weaknesses not, not just to share them, not just to let them drop in a conversation, but to boast about them, to say, hey, this is so cool. I've been given a thorn in the flesh. That's crazy, and that's not what we're taught to do. We're told to kind of hide those and keep those aside and not let people know and even to shun people that do share them. And yet Paul right out is saying, hey, this is what I feel. Now to get to the thorn in the flesh for a little bit, it's something that is always there. And we don't know for sure what it is. The Greek word is skolops, uh, which is something which frustrates and causes trouble in lives of those afflicted. It's like being a Bengals fan or something, I guess. But... I don't want to lose you guys for the three that laughed, but that's okay. But scolops means something that's always there, something that afflicts you, something that, that is trouble in your life always. And it's not like a tack, a thumbtack. It's more like a tent stakes, like it's a big thing. And so we know all of that from his choices of words and for what he says. Uh, it, it could have been something physical. It could have been something emotional. It could have been something mental. It could have been... A million different things, and theologians have talked about it for ever since then. Like, what is it? What is it? What, what is happening? Why don't we know? Now, for me, from reading Paul and studying, and, and you know, we always put a little bit of ourselves into our understanding, uh, I think that it was something along the lines of anxiety, depression somewhere in there. Maybe coming from the fact that he knew he had murdered a lot of people before he became a Christian, and he just dealt with that and struggled with that. And so he kept living for Jesus. He kept preaching for Jesus, but he always felt like, man, I'm never going to make up for it. He accepted the forgiveness. He knew it wasn't about that, but he still had that, so maybe. But realistically, it does not matter what it is. What matters is that he broadcasts it. What matters is that he shares it and he says, hey guys, I'm not perfect. In fact, I've got this thorn in my flesh and I know that you can see it. I know that you know it. I know that... that it's something that is obvious. Now, our flaws are always more obvious to us than to anybody else. But still, most of the time, if it's something big, if it's something we struggle with, other people know. But we still kind of hide it. We still kind of hold it in. And yet Paul stands up and admits that he is weak to everyone. He admits that he has a weakness. He admits that he has a struggle. He admits that he's imperfect. And the world, and honestly, sometimes even the capital C Church, tells us to hide it. They tell us to pretend that you're perfect, pretend that you have no problems, pretend that you have no issues, because if other people see it, they're not going to come to Jesus. And yet that's not how it works at all. I had an interesting conversation about Paul a couple weeks ago. And just we were talking about his past and how he'd been involved in murders and, and just how he had this thorn, whatever it was. How he admitted that he wasn't perfect. And this was to a couple of the teens and youth group. And one of them said he probably wouldn't be allowed to teach in church. And I thought for a second, man, how many churches is that true for? Imagine what Paul would be told today. If he came in for counseling and said, hey, I have this thorn in my flesh, and, and you know, I've been over there uh, planting churches and, and really building disciples and everything, but I just, I can't get rid of this. And some people would say, well, you know, it's okay to struggle, but you got to keep it behind closed doors. You got to hide it. You can't let people know. You got to be strong. 
You got to really put on a brave face, put on a strong face. Because again, we are taught to appear strong all of the time. But we misunderstand what strong means. It doesn't mean flawless. It doesn't mean to hide those things. I have a quote from Max Lucado, he's a Christian author. And he says, I simply think God is greater than our weaknesses. In fact, I think it is our, in our weaknesses that reveal how great God is. Admitting to our struggles. Admitting what we deal with. Admitting who we are. Admitting how we're weak. Admitting our thorns. That shows God's grace and strength. It's not our own power. It's not our own strength. It's not about us. It's about Him. And it's about what He can do. And it's about the fact if you look at every biblical hero, they have some flaw. David had arrogance for a while. And he did a lot of bad stuff. Jonah turned away. Paul had something going on. Moses had an anger problem. And yet God made great things happen through each of them. Which shows how strong he is. Because despite our weaknesses, his strength shines through. His power shines through. Uh, I've talked about this before. I'm not going to go too in depth. But in my life, I've struggled with anxiety and depression. And not here, but at other places I've been. uh, I've been told to basically shut up about it. And I've been told, hey, you know, you're not praying hard enough. Hey, you know, you can't tell people that. Hey, you know, grow up. And this is from pastors. This is from people who I look up to, and I've heard that over and over again. And so I began to think, to believe that there's obviously something wrong with me. And if you talk to me, you know I still struggle with that, and I can hear... A thousand people say, that's probably hyperbole. I can hear 20 people say I had a really good message. And I'm just focused on that one time I messed up. Or that one joke I told that only two people laughed at. And I'm just focused on those weaknesses. And that's a struggle that I have. But it's still something that hurts when I think back to some of the things that have been said to me. Because again, we're taught to hide these things. And even though, like Paul... I'm never going to be like, oh, I'm so happy that I get to struggle with this. I still can look back and see how many people I've been able to listen to and help because I have an understanding, because I've gone through that, because I deal with it. And so my thorn actually becomes a rose all on its own through God, not because of me. I stand up here purely by the grace of God because I'm terrified of this stuff. Now, I've gotten louder and I talk more, but I still feel nervous before. And to me, that's saying, hey, you're doing it for the right reasons. And I'm showing every time I stand up here that God is strong. And that's what happens when we reveal our weaknesses, when we reveal our struggles, when we reveal that we are not perfect. Because I got to say, holding them in, holding them in doesn't just hurt us. And I could go over a bunch of ways how it hurts us. It hurts other people. How? Well, because we start to believe our own story. And we start to believe, well, yeah, I don't have any. This is the face that I put out and this is who I am. And we start to believe that. And then we start hurting other people who remind us of what we're hiding. 
We start pointing out flaws in others. We start pointing out problems in others. We start thinking all of that because we see ourselves in them. And we're afraid they will realize we aren't perfect. Our lives are not about making other people believe we are perfect. They're about showing other people that God is perfect. That's why we're sitting here. That's what his strength is. That's what his power is. Our weaknesses are strength because they show that we rely on him, that there's something greater than us, that there's something more important than us. Going to verse 8. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Even though Paul continued with the thorn, whatever it was, he still prayed for healing. He still hoped for healing. He still hoped for deliverance. And yet, even while he was praying passionately over and over and over again, he didn't stop and wait. He didn't use it as an excuse. He didn't use it as a way to hate. He just lived for Christ. And he kept going and going and going and praying still, but going and going and going and helping other people and reaching other people and building the church. That can be hard. Whether it's emotional or physical, mental, whatever it is that you struggle with, if it's something that that has not been lifted from you, something that's not been healed, that can be hard, especially if you see other people get healed. I remember when I first came to Ohio, uh, a long time ago now, man, and yet I'm still a Hoosier, always, but when I first came to Ohio and I was at Tri-County, Nazarene, uh, there was a lady there who was on hospice. Evelyn McGuire was her name. And she was in hospice. And they were like, this, she's done, you know. We got to pray for her and go see her. And pretty much, and she'd been on it for a while, pretty much the next week, she was in church. And this was, man, 10, 11 years ago, something like that. She just passed away last year. She was healed, she was delivered, and she had a life after that. And yet, I look at my great-grandmother who dealt with Alzheimer's, and that was a struggle. And so it's hard when we struggle and we don't feel healing. It's hard to, to wonder, it's hard to know, it's hard to do all of that. And yet, Paul shows us exactly what to do. He first admits that he's not perfect. He admits he has a flaw. He admits that he has a weakness. He admits that he has a, a thorn. And he keeps asking God for prayer because it builds his relationship with Jesus. Because he knows that that's the only way he can survive is by Jesus. And so he keeps praying and he keeps asking and he keeps growing with Jesus. And yet he never gives up. He keeps helping others. He keeps doing his job. He keeps doing his mission. He keeps pointing others to him. It is so easy to feel defeated when you're struggling. It's so easy to feel defeated when things are chaotic around you. When things are problematic around you, when there are troubles around you, it's so easy to feel defeated, to feel angry. And it's easy to wonder, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And to hurt. And we start to worry, do I not have a strong enough faith? Am I being punished? And all of these things. But it's not about that. 
It's about continuing on in his name. I have another quote. This is from Jared Padalecki. I talked about him before. He struggles with depression. He's rich and famous, kind of famous. Has a wonderful family, and he still feels that. And so he started a a mission to to teach people to always keep fighting. And that's what his quote is here. Uh, There's no shame in having to fight every day. But fighting every day, and presumably if you're still alive to hear the words or read this interview, then you are winning your war, you're here. As long as there is life, there is hope. As long as there is life, there is hope. As long as we are here, we show God's hope. We show the hope that we have in Him. We show the victory that we have in Him. So always keep fighting through the struggles, through the problems, through the disagreements. Always keep fighting. Always keep being who you are because you're winning by trying. It may not feel like it. It may feel like nothing you do matters, but I got to tell you, whenever it feels like nothing you do matters, that means everything you do matters. My great grandma always used to say, you know, whenever you feel, whenever you feel like you just don't matter, whenever you feel like nothing is, nothing matters, like all of that, whenever you feel the worst, that means something great's about to happen. It means something amazing is about to happen. That means God is going to be there. You are being an example just by admitting that you're not perfect, just by doing what you can to live every day, to fight every day, to be like Jesus every day. And no one would question Paul's dedication to the faith. No one. His accomplishments, his life, his words, they stand for themselves. And yet he was weak. His strength was God's strength. And he lived every day dealing with that. Showing that though. In that last scripture, it says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. As I said, all of our biblical heroes had flaws. And yet their victory was God's victory. They showed who he was in that strength. And it's because his grace is sufficient. His grace, which was freely given, but at a cost. Free for us, costly to him. Entirely because he loves us. Entirely because he cares about us. Entirely because of our weaknesses. It is grace that we are called to accept. But more than that, it's grace we're called to show others. Because while we deal with our weaknesses, so does everybody else. And Jesus says, hey, I'm showing you grace. Now you take that grace and you multiply it. And you show them who I am in the way that you love, in the way that you are, in the way that you live in your weaknesses to show my strength. And as hard as all of that is in the the face of hurt in the face of chaos that grace lifts us up that hope lifts us up and we are called to be upside down in a world that wrongfully thinks it's right side up we're called to proclaim our struggles while helping others while showing others that it's possible i have one more scripture and this is acts 20 34 through 35 You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs 
and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's Paul again. Later on in his life, but he's talking about the fact that it's more blessed to give than receive. One of the things that I struggle with is not feeling loved. Now, that doesn't mean afterwards when I'm standing out there for everybody to walk by and say, hey, I love you. That's nice, but that's what I'm saying. And so my life has been about trying to make sure other people do feel loved. That's why we're here. So whatever it is you feel, whatever it is you struggle with, instead of hoping that everybody else struggles too, do like Paul and lift them up so that they don't have to feel with that. Paul lived his life making it about other people. Showing Jesus to other people, not about himself. Because giving, that's what sets us apart. That's what shows us that we're upside down. That's what shows us who we serve. I have one more quote. And this is from someone who also understood what it was like to struggle. Helen Keller. Believe when you are most unhappy that there is something for you to do in the world. So long as you can sweeten another's pain, life is not in vain. Most of us know the story of Helen Keller. Early on in her life as a baby, blind and deaf. Man, that's hard. I can't even imagine. Like I'm old and I need a lot of light or glasses to see anything now. I can't imagine not seeing at all. And then on top of that, not hearing. And she struggled, and she struggled, and she struggled, but as she grew, she showed others, not only is it okay to struggle, but there's a way through it. And so even when she didn't feel like helping, even when she didn't feel like getting up, even when she didn't feel like doing something else, she did, because that's when it's most important. When you feel the least like loving someone. When you feel the least like helping someone, when you feel the least like showing grace, like love, that's when it is most vital to show it. Now do it all the time, but I'm saying when you feel it the least, that's when you most want to share it and let others know that there is a way through, that there is a God above all of this, that there is more than just us. How you feel should never impact how you treat other people. Your weaknesses do not make you weak. They make God strong and they show that and it's okay to show that and it's okay to live that. And if anything, the way you feel, the worse you feel, the harder things are, that should make you more open and more helpful and more understanding. In times of struggle, for you, for the church, it's when we most need to show Jesus. That's when it's most obvious. Because when we feel pain, that's when his voice is the loudest. 
He's always there. But we can hear him more clearly. And so that's when we need to show him to other people even more. And we do that together. Last week, uh, in the other service, I shared a story about Beatrice and when I closed. And I'm going to do that here because I talk about Beatrice. She's my niece. Uh, I can show you about 3,000 pictures out in the hall if you want. Uh, she is a sweet little girl. And one of the things that I always am amazed by, uh, if she's ever upset, if I have to say no, and I don't say that very often, don't worry. But if I have to say no, or she's upset by something that I did or didn't let her do, like not letting her climb over the fence, something like that, she runs and she hugs me while she's upset, even though I was the one that one way or another caused it. And she jumps to help other people. And she talks about love in the way a three-year-old talks about love. And what I said last week, I'm going to say in here too. I know that the world is just waiting to try to take that away from her. That innocence, that sweetness, that love, that identity that she has, that confidence. It's so awesome. But guys, it shouldn't be Christians that do it. We have to be better. We have to live upside down because the world needs to see that. And the way we do that is by letting our weaknesses show his strength. That's all I got.